0: Hey, hey, and welcome to Lively Conversations brought to you by Table 112. Whether you're at the table, in the car, or wherever you are, we hope to inspire meaningful talks about life between parents and teens. I am your host, Dana Williams. I wanted to let you in on a very short opportunity to, first of all, celebrate a great dad in your life. And support the mission here at Table 112 because we think that being a dad is a tough job, but we think dads are really important and they should be celebrated. You can inspire a VIP dad in your life and support the mission of Table 112 to see every parent inspired by purchasing a Dad, Dad, Daddy-O shirt, which is inspired by one of my childhood favorite movies, Back to the Future at table112.org slash shirt you'll find the link there just go there and order it by 10 a.m on friday we have a goal to sell 100 t-shirts so help us out spread the word they're kind of a retro look so i think they're super cool grab one for a dad in your life tell all your friends and they will be there in time for Father's Day. And today, my guest is Will Hutcherson. Will lives in South Florida with his beautiful wife and three adorable kids. He is an ex-gen pastor who works with kids and teenagers, and he travels the country spreading a message of hope to middle school and high school students through school assemblies. And they, they tackle tough topics like despair and bullying. He founded a nonprofit called Curate Hope. And in addition to the school assemblies, they empower educators and parents to use human Human connection to help heal despair. You might notice that Will is not appearing with a teen on this episode. This is such an important conversation that needs to be started. This is such an important conversation that needs to be started. We decided to do it anyways. Perhaps parents and teens aren't quite ready to talk about it in such a public way, and that is totally fine. Even still, we thought it was vital to create a space to spark conversations in your homes. Will is a great communicator, and he does a good job of helping us understand some of the complex things we can't see that happen inside of our brains. I hope this conversation gives you some words and some simple ways that we can actually help heal the despair you might feel. Let's jump into my lively conversation with Will. Hey, Will, welcome to Lively Conversations. I'm so glad that you're here. Why don't you take a second and introduce yourself to the listeners?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. And my name is Will Hutcherson. I live in South Florida. One of the things I do is I work with kids and teenagers. I travel around the country. I speak in schools, uh, middle school, high schools, helping kids uh, really take steps towards overcoming despair and bullying. We do anti-bullying assemblies and all sorts of things. We also help parents with how to help their kids when their kids are in despair and what are things we can do all centered around this one big idea that human connection can help heal the brain.
0: Love that. And I'm so glad that you're here because this is such an important topic. We're going to get into that, but we always stop and ask the most random of questions to get things kicked off. So Will, tell us, if you had your human body, but you had the head of an animal, which animal would you pick?
1: You know, my mind immediately went to a golden retriever. Oh my! And the reason why is because I mean they're they're just the best dogs. You know, you look at a golden retriever; they're loyal. They they look nice. You know, they got floppy ears. So, I don't know if I had a head of an animal, I think I'd want a golden retriever. I wouldn't want a horse head. Horse horse heads are a little too much.
0: Yeah, that could it could be a little <laughs> creepy. My uh, my tendency would be to pick a tiger, and I have absolutely no idea why. Just yeah, think it that, might be kind of cool. Does that make cool. you the
1: tiger queen? <laughs> yeah. I hope
0: not. <laughs> so, Will, we're going to be diving into the topic of mental health, as you kind of alluded to earlier, and that can be taboo for some people. So let's kind of talk through why is it important for us to break the ice and open up these conversations between parents and
1: students. Well, you know, especially if those that are listening are people of faith, then you already have a fundamental belief that you are made up of more than just a body right? That we, we have a physical body, but we also have something deeper within us. We have a mind and we have a soul and there's a spirit component to the makeup of who we are. And our mind, our mental health is a part of that makeup. I believe that God's desire for each one of us is that we have an abundant life. Yes, spiritually that we're abundant, we're alive but also physically, um, that our physical bodies are good and whole and also that our minds are whole as well. And so the minds being a part of who we are, it's important for us to talk about things and talk about issues that may arise and not be afraid of those things.
0: Absolutely. So, Will, when I first met you, our family was just a few days out from learning of the suicide of a close friend of our entire family. And it was a devastating season for us. But one of the things that made me want to come and introduce myself to you was you made some comments that debunked what I believed about depression and suicide, and it gave me some of the clarity that I desperately needed in those moments. So can you talk to us for a moment about those two, but also you alluded to the word despair earlier, and I'd love for you to bring in that piece of the puzzle.
1: There's a lot to unpack there, but you know, to really just kind of narrow it down, let me first say you know, if you're struggling with some type of mental health, maybe especially in this coronavirus time, like we're we're dealing with a lot of stress, we're dealing with a lot of anxiety, we're dealing with a lot of isolation. And, you know, for teenagers that are listening, it's like, man, you've been ripped from all of your friends, you know, you were playing sports, now you're like home all the time, and it can just feel like at times maybe the walls are closing in and maybe you're good today, but you've had moments where you're just like you're tired of this and can't wait to get outside. Parents that are listening, you know, maybe you've experienced some tension in your home over the last few weeks. And all that to say is that we all go through stuff and we all go through stress. But the way that we handle that and the way that our brains kind of handle stress over time can cause a lot of problems and it causes different problems. So when it comes to the issue of suicide, which is a major problem within our world today. You know, if if you don't know the statistics, every demographic, suicide is up in the last 10 years. Specifically amongst teenagers, though, suicide rates have doubled. And the highest rate of increase has been amongst the ages of 10 and 14. Absolutely heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. And all that to say that there are people getting to a place of utter hopelessness where they feel like the only option is to end their life and end the pain that they're experiencing, and oftentimes when we think about this, we think that depression is the the root cause of suicide. So, uh, the, there's two problems with this belief: is one, we try to then diagnose everyone with depression, and and even ourselves, and that's not necessarily good. And then the second problem is that we kind of you know put this pressure on parents to become mental health counselors, you know, of like all of a sudden like, oh, if your kid, you know, has these feelings, then you got to you got to fix them. But the reality is, is depression doesn't cause suicide. Depression may contribute to suicide along with other mental health factors, but depression alone doesn't cause suicide. Uh, And we just have to be aware of that because the number one cause of suicide is actually despair. Every single person who's ever attempted or completed suicide has felt despair And the good news about that is, is we don't have to go too far to be able to empathize with despair because every single one of us have experienced despair at some point in our lives.
0: Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that. It's that feeling of hopelessness, like you just, you don't know where to go.
1: Yeah, exactly. And when you feel that, you know, what do you do? And so the good news is that despite that, and yes, we can recognize despair in others, we can recognize despair in ourselves. It might be long-term despair. It might be short-term despair. But regardless, we can take steps to influence our minds towards healing. Because here's the principle that I want to reiterate, and I don't think I've actually reiterated this yet. That's okay. (laughs) But um, (laughs) is that there is always hope. There's always hope hope. And if you're feeling, you know, feelings of despair, if you're feeling uh, or having thoughts about killing yourself or hurting yourself, I just want to encourage you, don't make a permanent decision on a temporary problem. Because even though it may feel like there's no way out and it's always going to feel this way, there is always hope. There's always hope. And tomorrow will be different eventually, but there's always hope. And there's a big, big piece to this, and we'll get into this, that we're not powerless. And there are things and steps that we can take to help influence our brain towards healing and to remember that there really is hope.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So can you describe what despair looks like in the brain?
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. So one of the the things that this really helps parents to really understand and And like I said, to empathize too, because when we understand despair, and that is really the the issue. And another way of saying this too, is you could even say like toxic stress, like over, you know, too much anxiety, too much stress over time can lead to despair. Now, having despair doesn't mean suicide. Like that doesn't equal suicide, but it could mean other things. There's other behaviors to cope with despair that aren't necessarily ideal. When you have long-term amounts of trauma, long-term amounts of toxic stress, our behaviors can change to try to reduce that. So it might be drug addiction. It might be alcohol abuse. You know, it might be Trying to cope with that toxic stress in other ways that might not be beneficial for us long term, but self harm is one of those. So what's taking place in the brain? I want you to imagine, if you're listening, and I know if you're not, you know, into neuroscience, this might be a little geeky for you, but just imagine that you have, you know, a brain in front of you, maybe put out two hands and and to simplify this you have two parts of your brain you have the right side of your brain and the left side of your brain so I want you to imagine in front of you you got the right side of your brain and the left side of your brain your right side is where your emotional processing takes place like your fight or flight mechanisms and then on your left side you have your logical processing this is where you know all of your your words and logical like kind of a plus b equals c you know processing takes place. On the left side of your brain. Well, what happens is over time as we experience stress, you know, long-term amounts of stress, we have this uh, hormone called cortisol that kind of drips and it drips and it drips and drips. And over time, too much cortisol can create a despairing. And imagine the two parts kind of separating out. Like think of despair as a despair where the emotional and the logical processing just aren't connected. Uh, another way to put this is an emotional mm-hmm. detachment. This is one of the hardest things that a person can face. One theologian put it, it's like the dark night of the soul. Yeah. You know, it's, it's such a difficult thing. And whether you've experienced that you know, just for a day, maybe a week or months or longer, we've all faced moments of despair. We've all faced moments of deep grief and hardship and heartbreak, and we know what that feels like. But for some people, long-term amounts of this cortisol and toxic stress creates this despairing, and it breaks down the processing between the emotional and the logical processing. This can be very, very difficult. This is why oftentimes when you're talking to somebody who's in crisis or in a high amount of despair, and you ask them how they feel, the the answer could be, I don't know. Yeah. Or they might say, I feel numb. I can't tell you how many times I've sat across the table from a teenager and asked them how they feel. And they just simply say, I feel numb. And the reason why is because you need your logical processing in order to identify your feelings and put them into words. And when the two sides are separated, you just can't do it. But here's the cool thing. And this is the part that, you know, there's hope because God has wired our brains and our brains are wired to be healed even in the midst of despair. So when this despairing takes place, there is something that we can do to influence the brain back to healing. And that is human connection. More and more and more research is showing us that human connection heals the brain from despair, and symptoms of depression. And so there's another hormone at play here called oxytocin. And through love and empathy, oxytocin is released, human connection, oxytocin is released. And that hormone is an emotionally bonding hormone. Mm. And it brings the two sides back together and creates healthy functioning within the brain. Now, I don't ever want to downplay the severity of of depression. And clinical depression is a real thing. And it needs to be dealt with. If you are suffering from clinical depression, I want to encourage you to get help because we need a wraparound approach when handling depression. However, not all feelings of downness mean that you have clinical depression. Sometimes there's situational depression or just short-term despair, like we're describing now. Mm -hmm. When we're facing those short-term despairs, there are things that we can do, especially the people that are around us that love us, that are uh, caring adults in our lives or caring individuals, that we can connect with human connection and begin to bring the two sides back together.
0: Let's talk about the students who are listening and if they're resonating with the feelings that you're talking about or the lack thereof of feelings, like what words would you have for that student?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I would say students to remember that there's always hope that even though this may really stink right now and it's really hard and there's times where you just, you just like I said, you just want to get out and you feel like the walls are closing in to remind yourself that there's always hope and to reach out when you're feeling that way. You can't do it alone. And isolation isn't the answer. So just, you know, trying to keep everything to yourself uh, isn't the answer. To really help us and position ourselves for healing, we need to feel felt. And let me explain what feeling felt means. It means that you feel like somebody else gets you. It's, It's another way of saying like empathy, that somebody understands what you feel. If you've ever had a best friend where you feel like you finish each other's sentences, it's like you have this connection, this attunement, this in syncness that just you feel felt like you feel like they get you, they understand you. We need to feel felt in order to heal. We need to feel felt, which is why human connection is so important. So if you're feeling like, you know, some negative emotions right now, talk to somebody, reach out to somebody. If you don't have anyone to talk to, then reach out to a local organization in your community or call the crisis hotline and just talk to somebody there. Just having a conversation and speaking out what you're feeling can really move all that energy that's built up on the right side of your brain into your left side of your brain where you're verbally processing it and it exhausts the emotion. So another way of thinking of it like this is when you're feeling a lot of despair or anxiety, What your brain is telling you is like you have all this emotional energy. It's like taking a big breath of air and then holding on to it and not being able to exhale. Mm. After a while, that starts to hurt, right? It does, yeah. And so what you have to do with that emotional energy is you have to... You have to exhale it. You have to get that emotional energy out. You know, one of the things I tell my son, my son is 10. You know, there are times where he gets frustrated because he can't control something or something that he thought was going to be this way changed. And it's very frustrating. His tendency is he wants to like punch something. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so he's a puncher. And, uh, you know, one of the things I tell him is like, Hey, that's good. Like go ahead and punch something, but what you punch matters, you know? So like, yeah, go punch your pillow. That's fine. Or go run or go stomp on the ground or go do something to get that energy out. Getting the energy out. Isn't bad. Exhausting emotion. Isn't bad. Showing emotion. Isn't bad. But how we show that emotion and our actions of how we exhaust that, really does matter. So that's why exercise is helpful. That's why, you know, punching bags are helpful, you know, if you're into yeah. boxing, you know, that's why just having some type of energy shift is helpful. But also doing that just alone isn't necessarily the answer because you can get that emotional energy out, you're good for a minute. But if you continue to to not really talk it out and move that energy from Emotional processing over the logical processing, chances are you're going to continue to have these emotional outbursts and this breathing in more and more air and not exhaling it out. So it's so important that, yes, there are things that we can do to help us to get energy out, emotional energy out, you know, running, punching bags. Again, don't punch walls, don't punch doors, don't punch people. But, um, you know, doing something physically can help. Meditating is good. We look at the example of Jesus. I mean, Jesus took time every day and withdrew into solitude, where he was just praying and being present with his heavenly father. The practice of personal solitude is very much a Christian thing. And so Mm -hmm. go and sit and be in stillness and let God speak to you and let your heart even just speak to God. And it doesn't have to be all words. Sometimes it's just simply being and saying, God, I just acknowledge your presence and I just want to be there you know? Yeah. And so that is a form of meditation and it's a form of slowing down your brain and healing your central nervous system, you know, to get back to neuroscience. So all this stuff really connects. You know, there's some things that we can do personally. We can go out with physical energy. We can, you know, practice mindfulness or meditation or just stillness, solitude. But the other thing we can do is to be honest with somebody and and share what we're feeling and just feel felt. That connection, yes, our connection with our Heavenly Father is critical, but our connection with one another is also very critical.
0: Absolutely, so we want to encourage students and anyone experiencing despair to brave that first awkward conversation where you bring it up to somebody and like certainly parents or a trusted adult would be a good person to talk to. One of the things that we can do when we're outside of the danger zone where we're in the moment and things are heated, is actually stepping out and making a difference for people around us. So what are some steps that parents and students could take possibly together where they could impact their community, their friends, and their family in just bringing more peace and mental health into the world?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, there are a lot of things that we could do. And so I think having a mission as a family that is about others is very, very powerful. Uh, there's something powerful to having purpose beyond ourselves. And uh, when you wrap that around a family identity of who you are, that can be really, really great. You know, and I I could go through like, you know, go serve at your local church, go serve at a soup kitchen, go on a mission trip and all those practical things that you can do. But I mean, right now in in a pandemic, I'm not sure uh, those practical things and how you do that. But I will just kind of take a moment and explain why that's helpful. The reason why it's helpful is because when we choose to put someone before our own needs or we choose to serve somebody, we get closer to the core purpose of how we are wired and there's something that takes place in our brain. So if we're experiencing despair, sometimes one of the best things we can do is to actually go and serve somebody because you know we connect with somebody, we help somebody, and it can help us to feel even better about who we are. You know, sometimes we can be very critical of ourselves, and if we can see goodness in us, we let ourselves kind of celebrate that. But the other thing, what happens is typically gratitude is a result mm. as well, and gratitude is a healing attribute to our thought processes. When we infuse gratitude into our thoughts, it can help heal despair and bring us back to a place of hope.
0: That's so good. So yeah, cultivating a practice of gratitude and maybe even verbalizing that to our communities would be a great habit to get into as a family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how can our listeners connect with you and with Curate Hope?
1: Yeah. So you can go to curatehope.com. Uh, learn more about the school assemblies that we do, the parent workshops that we do. You can also follow me on Instagram, Will Hutch, at Will Hutch. Curate Hope's on there as well. But if you go to at Will Hutch, you'll find Curate Hope. And uh, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, all those platforms, whatever you'd like. But we'd love to hear any questions, comments that you have from listening and love to connect with you.
0: Awesome. So Will, because the show is Lively Conversations, I'm giving you three blanks. For me today, blank is life, blank is life, and blank is life.
1: Today, I would say uh, it's raining in South Florida, so uh, I'm missing the sunshine. So sunshine is definitely life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Jesus is always life. I feel like I got to throw that one in there. <laughs> and if we're going to be honest, uh, what would the world be without pizza? So I'm going to go pizza. Pizza
0: is life. life. Awesome. <laughs> I hope you're stepping away from that conversation with more hope, better words to talk about those feelings, and real ways you can fight despair in you and your loved ones. This stuff matters, and you matter a lot to us. Don't forget, there's always hope. As we get ready to turn over the lively conversation to you and your family, we want you to consider these verses as you talk. And Lexi has popped in to read them for us. King David wrote a bunch of songs, and in them he pours out his feelings, both good and bad, to God. In this psalm, he expresses his feelings of hopelessness and asks God to help him through it. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my plea. Answer me, because you are faithful and righteous. Don't put your servant on trial, for no one is innocent before you. My enemy has chased me. He has knocked me to the ground and forces me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I am losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about what you have done. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched land thirsts for rain. Come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me or I will die. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I am trusting you to show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. For this week's big question, go to the show notes and grab the emotions wheel. You can download it there and then answer this question. Which feeling describes where you are today?
1: Hey, thanks for joining and uh, we're so excited. Hopefully these principles help you. Remember that there's always hope and just keep breathing. Thanks.
0: Love that. Catch you next week at the table.